Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan Lobby. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our Hey Mary Kay edition where Mary Kay Cabot answers questions starting with J.J. Watt signing with the Cardinals on Monday. Then we get into what might be next for the Browns as they seek out pass rushers. We also talk a little bit about Richard Higgins, what the Browns might do in regards to re-signing him. And then we talk about some other free agent names to keep an eye on as free agency inches closer and closer with the new league year coming up. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And off we go on our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And of course, today we're going to talk about J.J. Watt to start things off. J.J. Watt after some Peloton news, Mary Kay, and or whatever we want to call it. And all sorts of fanfare ends up going to the Arizona Cardinals. And I guess I just want to know if you can take me back to that initial reaction when you found out it was Arizona. It surprised me because that's a name we hadn't heard very much of. What did you think when, when you saw that? Yeah, the most we really had heard about the Cardinals really was DeAndre Hopkins trying to lure him there on social media. And then actually, I do think uh, that, that Steve Kime did mention something about it along the way where he said, yeah, we'll take a swing at it. So uh, they kind of kept it low profile, but it was all low profile for the most part throughout this whole entire process. I mean, you didn't really hear too many things coming out of JJ's camp about what he wanted. I mean, I, I was finding out some little things here and there, but there was really nothing concrete about exactly who were the front runners and all those sorts of things. One of the things that we heard last week from Diana Rossini was that he did receive an offer in the 15 to $16 million range. And that started me thinking that perhaps the Browns were going to bow out or maybe they had already bowed out by then uh, because that was probably a little higher than they may have wanted to pay. Yeah, that was a weird, that was kind of a strange moment because my first thought was, oh, well, the Browns are one of the teams that could pay that amount, but is, is that really the direction they wanted to go? How close do you think it actually came between the Browns and Watt? You know, I really honestly don't know, but I will tell you that as of Friday, I talked to somebody uh, who said the Browns were kind of still in the mix, still on the radar. I saw somewhere today that uh, that it got pretty uh, intense with the Bills. And so, you know, that was one where he may have really ended up there. I don't know how close it got. And I probably, 
I might not know for a little while. I'm going to have to do some digging and try to uh, figure things, some things out a little bit, but they, they will play it close to the vest. They're, I, I don't know that they will be super forthcoming about how close it got. I mean, remember last year, we knew we were able to find out that, um, you know, that they did offer Jadavian Clowney really more than anybody, especially on the one-year deal. And they were competitive on their multi-year offer, but they don't really give up too much information about what their plans were uh, when they didn't happen. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think Andrew Barry is going to really get into too many details with us when we get to talk to him a little later this week. But we'll try. We'll we'll give it a shot. Yeah. So the question here then is, would you have given Watt when you saw that deal? Would you have given it to Watt to come here? I I would not have. I thought that was a little too high. But would, would, was that a deal you would have entertained? You know, I I think I would have, and I. I I'm pretty sure that I said that on one of our pods even yeah. last week. Yes, I would have done it. And uh, here's the reason why I would have done it. I think that uh, the synergy between J.J. Watt and Miles Garrett would have kind of brought them both to another level. Now, J.J. Watt was the most double teamed defender in the NFL last, last season. So I think when you, you know, get a couple of guys, you know, pull a couple of guys away from him and free him up a little bit, I think he probably would have been able to uh, return to a double digit sack level. So I think he would have given you kind of at least what you got out of Olivier Vernon. And then also, I think he would have been able to at times take attention away from JJ Watt, because truthfully, you cannot just leave him go and just always double team miles There are going to be situations where you're going to have to give that extra attention to JJ and you might have to do it on a lot of plays with both guys chipping with tight ends and backs and things. So I thought the two of those guys together could wreak a lot of havoc. And when you even looked at the playoffs, uh, you know, this, this year with what happened with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, if you could have imagined miles and JJ now they had tackle issues, they were down to their second string and their third string tackles. They had a lot of issues and they will shore those up and it's not going to be like that next year. But I still think that if you had those two guys coming at you, I don't care who you are, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, whoever you are, that is going to be tough to accomplish your job. And to me, if it gets you farther into the playoffs, further into the playoffs, and maybe even into the Super Bowl, possibly, that is worth that kind of money because we've seen a lot of money paid to, to guys that, that don't deserve it. I mean, there's a lot of money thrown around in free agency, right? Yep. I mean, free agents are overpaid all the time. Now, in a perfect world, if he was your own guy and you weren't trying to, uh, you know, re-sign him or whatever, you know, you probably wouldn't have to go that high. But when it gets to a bidding war, that's just that's just how it is. That's just the that's just the nature of the business. The price is going to rise because the demand is there. I would have done it. Tell me why you wouldn't have done it. I was a little concerned about the age, a little concerned about the health. And, and you can make a health argument with anybody. I mean, you could sign the healthiest player in the league and he could show up and get hurt in training camp. It's, it's football. It happens. But I was just a little concerned about the fact that he hasn't strung together healthy seasons in a little while. He's still a really good player. I, I don't think there's an argument to be made there. Whatever you look at, the sack numbers were down this year, but I know PFF was really high on him, gave him a bunch of pressures. He, he's still a really good player. I was just worried about the age and health. And I just think, and we're going to get into this here shortly. I think there's guys out there that if you're going to pay that amount of money to they're younger, I feel better about what they can do. There, there's just some things that I'm nervous about with JJ Watt. 
But like you said, even if he comes here and has a bad year and then makes, you know, a game changing sack in the AFC championship game, it's worth every penny. So, you know, I, I, I can see both sides of it, but I, I was just concerned about you pay the guy 16 or $17 million and he plays six games. Mm-hmm. It just felt like that might be a little more real with him than maybe with some other guys. Yeah. And we'll find out. I mean, look, the Browns were willing to pay Jadavian Clowney an enormous sum of money for this season. He played only eight games. He did get injured and he didn't have any sacks in his first eight games. So that is the, the, the risk that you take. And that could be uh, the fate of JJ Watt next season in Arizona, by the way, the Browns, if they go to 17 games will play and face JJ Watt and right. And if Chandler Jones is back from his torn biceps, I mean, they're going to have to deal with, with those guys. But the other thing I think about JJ Watt and why I probably would have done it is because last year was such a tumultuous year in Houston and everybody was kind of down. And by the end of the year, I mean, you almost had to wonder, are you giving it every single thing you have? Are you leaving it all out on the field or are you also demoralized that it's just hard to produce? Uh, Also, he kind of came out after the 16th game when they lost to the Bengals and just kind of just went off on, on teammates for not giving it their all. And therefore, if his teammates aren't giving it their all, then it's going to be hard for him uh, to be the player that he is. That's not, that wouldn't have happened here in Cleveland. You would have miles playing with his hair on fire every single week. You've got Sheldon Richardson that is still playing at a very, very high level. Uh, so I, I think that he would have flourished here. Well, now as it stands, poor Deshaun Watson is in Houston. He's that, that image that gets passed around on Twitter every now and again of from Narcos where Pablo Escobar is just sitting by himself in like three different scenes. Uh, that's poor, poor Deshaun Watson now stuck in Houston. Okay. So what's next for the Browns? There's names out there we've discussed and now they can fully turn their focus towards who they can put next to miles Garrett. Let's start here. Should we be thinking a long-term solution or are the Browns going to approach this looking for maybe a one or two year deal? I think they have options and it depends on the age of the player and the price of the player. Uh, So you can set these contracts up any way you really want to in free agency. You can go for an older guy and do a, you know, a a one-year deal and hope you're going to get the best out of him. You know, you can do a 25 year old and try to get a three-year deal in the $7 million range. And there are all those price points in free agency. You, there's a little bit of everything. It's a smorgasbord of pass rushers. There are tons of guys. I mean, even Hassan Reddick is now, I mean, he is an Arizona Cardinal. And, you know, now when you see that they just signed JJ White, you have to really wonder, are they just going to let him walk? And there, you know, there is a chance that they will do that. I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him uh, what he was worth. Now he did have 12 and a half sacks last season, which is tremendous. But as we've talked about before, five of them came against the giants in week 14. So you take those five away, not that you take need to take all five away, but something weird happened in that game. And that was a little bit of an anomaly. So yeah, I'm not entirely certain about what's going to happen with him, but you know, he's one of the guys I think that will be on the radar and probably more likely to become free now. As I look through some of these names though, and, and again, this maybe goes back to, you know, why you didn't want to pay JJ 16 or 17 million. There are a lot of different options. It's kind of, you know, pick your flavor here. There's veterans out there. There's young guys. 
guys that might be shorter term deals, longer term deals. Who's like at the top of your list? If, if you were making a list of guys, do you have somebody who's at the top of your list? You know, I've, I've been talking a lot about Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans has only done it one year, but I've sort of made the case as to why the Browns might still want to take a look at him. You know, I looked at Spotrack today for a post I'm working on, on my list of guys, they've got him about three years, 30 ish million dollars, $30.9 million. And if, if you're going to pay somebody that amount, I think that's a guy they'd want to do it with because he just turned 26 in December. Um, so I don't think he's a one or two year rental unless he just doesn't, there's not a big market out there for him. So he's near the top of my list. Who, who do you kind of have when, when you make your list in your mind, or maybe you have something, you know, solid, who, who do you have sort of at the top of your list? Well, one of the guys that they will look at if he becomes available is Von Miller. And I think they like those guys that have had consistent sack yeah. production for a number of years. Now, Trey Hendrickson was phenomenal last year, but as you said, he's only done it for one year. And even when you draft a guy coming out of college, you like to really look for consistent sack production over a number of years so that it wasn't just a flash in the pan. It wasn't just a, you know, just some kind of skewed thing that happened that year that you're really seeing uh, what this person is all about. So one of the, one of the people that I am intrigued by, and I also think uh, that he is, you know, you could get him at a decent price perhaps and that's Carl Lawson. You know, there's something about him. He's one of those younger guys. He's 25 years old. He hasn't necessarily played on a, a you know, on a great football team uh, with the Bengals the, all these years. So he's one of those guys that if you, if you put him uh, in a situation like this in Cleveland with a Miles Garrett, you might, and, and really showcase him, you might be able to get a lot more out of him from a uh, sack production standpoint than than you have before he was the 14th ranked edge rusher by pff uh, in 2020 so he played a career high 723 snaps his pass rush grade was really good it was ninth overall uh, that that's pretty amazing again he only had five and a half sacks i think he's capable of more production than that he's just somebody that i like and i like the age i like if you're going to go for one of these guys and pay him. Now there is a discrepancy between what PFF had him down to pay him for and what SpotTrack had him down uh, as what his market value was with SpotTrack. He's somebody that I'm intrigued by. He's somebody that I'm very, very intrigued by for a number of those reasons. You know, I think Shaq Barrett, for some reason, I feel like they're going to do whatever they can to, to keep, possibly keep him. We're still in a situation right now where guys can get franchised or transition tag. So some of these guys that we're talking about are not going to hit the market at all, right? There's one guy in particular that I was intrigued by, Leonard Williams, and he is actually in a contract dispute. He's in a, actually, he's in a, a dis, like he's probably going to go to arbitration. He's trying to be classified as a defensive end when it comes to being franchised because you get paid more than you do as a defensive tackle. So he is somebody that I don't even know if, if Leonard Williams from the Giants is going to make it to the market. But he's also somebody at the age of 26 that, that I was very intrigued by. His market value is somewhere around $11 million. I think that's a pretty good price point for him. He had 11 and a half sacks last season. That's, that's I think that was tied for, or it was seventh in the NFL. That's right behind Miles Garrett, who had 12. Yeah. yeah. So 
he's somebody that that I would definitely look at. I like your guy, Trey Hendrickson. I like him. I would be a little bit nervous about the one one year sack production, but you might be able to get him for less because of that. Uh, you know, you might be able to get him in the in the twelve million dollar range as a pay, as opposed to paying somebody sixteen million dollars. Th- those are some of the guys that that I would be intrigued by, and I I, I would give Von Miller an opportunity if he became available. I mean, an eight-time Pro Bowler, uh, if you could get him at the right price, I think he would do well with with Miles Garrett. So here's some of the market values that I found on Spotrack. For Carl Lawson, they're looking at four years, $35.4 million, an 8.8 average, which is really kind of more what I I look at as opposed to the length of the contract. And he's Mm -hmm. a guy that could get franchised too by the Bengals uh, if, if they decide that they want to keep him around. The name, did, did you mention Bud Dupree? You know, I didn't mention Bud Dupree uh, because he's, you know, he's coming off of the torn ACL, which happened sort of late in the season. And I really wasn't quite sure how, how to rank him or where to rank him, but I do like him a lot as a player. I, I think he's another one of those guys that would come here and do very well. He was tied for 21st with eight sacks last year. And he missed, I think, like the last five games or so with the torn ACL. He, he got hurt on December. Well, the story I'm seeing here is December 3rd. So he, he got hurt in that. Was that the Baltimore game? Whatever. It happened in December. So yeah. that's kind of a weird time for an ACL tear. If we're looking at nine, nine months to get back on the field, that puts you yeah. in good range. The thing that kind of intrigues me about Dupree, though, is maybe because of that injury, Maybe you can get him on a one-year deal or a two-year deal and he comes to Cleveland and he's kind of got that double-edged sword of he's coming off the injury. So he wants to prove what he can do, but the Steelers also let him walk. So now he's going to play for the Steelers division rival. And so, you know, that he's going to be motivated at those two times a year when he plays the Steelers, you know, PFF is a little bit hard on him when they grade him. And, and I understand, you know, he hasn't always been, an elite level pass rusher. But one of the things they do point out is Dupree always plays hard and his high motor allows him to get in several hustle plays and clean up sacks. That's from, from PFF. That's the kind of guy that to me sounds like coming off a torn ACL feeling like the, his old team didn't want him. Maybe he'll come here and, and try and get that big contract on a one-year deal or something like that. That might, there might be some value there in a guy like Bud Dupree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I like him as a player and I'm very intrigued by him. The only thing about right now that I think makes it a little difficult on a guy like Bud Dupree and the Browns when they're trying to evaluate a guy like that is it's it's hard to shell out that kind of money when you don't know where the recovery is, how it's coming along, how long it's going to take. I mean, at least with uh, with Odell right now, we can kind of see, we're seeing on social media uh, just how good he looks, how fast he's coming along. And his torn ACL happened in October. So that's significant earlier than Bud Dupree's December injury. You know, you just don't know when he's going to be back. And if you're paying a guy on a one-year deal, you don't want him to miss half the season, you know? So that one's a little tricky, but it, it might almost be who him to take a one-year deal and get back out there and prove himself and hit the market again and then get what he's worth after that. There are guys out there. That's for sure. There are definitely a lot of guys out there that the Browns can take a look at. They want to spend some money on a pass rusher there. They can go so many different directions. Yeah. 
and there's two other names that we do need to mention again here because they're both probably going to be available again. And that's Jadavian Clowney and Yannick Nagakaway. These yep. are two guys that the Browns looked into last year. They made concrete offers to Jadavian Clowney. So we know they liked him a lot and they inquired about trading for Yannick and they, you know, they were talking, you know, they were kind of serious about trying to trade for him when he, he was with the Jaguars last year. And it didn't work out for uh, one of the reasons it didn't work out is he was sort of mid agent. He was switching agents and it just kind of was getting confusing. And so the Browns just kind of like set that aside. He ends up getting traded to Minnesota. Then he gets traded from Minnesota to Baltimore. And when you added it all up, he still had eight sacks last year, which is pretty darn good. So I think he's somebody definitely uh, that they will take another look at. And once again, I also think he's somebody that would probably fit in pretty well on this defensive line and maybe be able to increase that production a little bit. Okay, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the Browns own free agents, a guy that people love to talk about here in Cleveland on the other side of the break. And back on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and Lobby Mary Kay Cabot. And we are going to talk about Rashard Higgins. This story got a little interesting, I guess, heading into the <laughs> heading into the weekend, Mary Kay. Rashard made it pretty clear that he wants to remain with the Browns. And I guess what's so interesting about this is right now the Browns are the only team that can sign Rashard Higgins. In about two weeks, two and a half weeks, that changes. He can hit the open market and become a free agent. Should we read anything into the fact that nothing has gotten done yet? Uh, no, I really don't think so. First of all, I was able to, to reach Richard and he did tell me I have not seen an offer yet. And he did seem a little bit, you know, dismayed about that, a little bit nervous about that. But the, the deal is right now that the cap hasn't been set yet. And that's going to make a difference. I mean, they, these guys, teams really want to see that number before they start handing out contracts and offers. They really would like to see how this thing is going to end up because it makes, it could make the difference between being able to keep a guy or not being able to keep a guy. And Richard falls right into that category of, you know, do you pay him whatever $5 million a year or whatever he can get on the open market or do you not? And therefore, if the cap is going to come in at 185 instead of 180, like that's the kind of guy that you would be looking at there. Can we keep him or can we not? Uh, so I don't think that anything should be read into it yet. I think shortly after the Browns uh, figure out what the cab is, cap is, they've got a lot of guys that they will probably make offers to. If, they, if these guys do not accept these offers, because they'll probably be pretty low, lower than what they can get on the open market, then they have to decide, do I take the bird in the hand or do I go hit the market and see what's there and take the risk? that my offer with the Browns is going to dry up. And that's the risk that you take. Because let's just say, for instance, that Richard doesn't take the offer that the Browns put before him and decides to go out and hit the open market. Well, in the meantime, the Browns sign Richard Perriman and they give him five or $6 million a year. Suddenly, you don't have that money to give to Richard anymore. So there's a balancing act of, of how you can go about this. But what I do know is they like him, Baker likes him, and he wants to be here. He's in good standing with the club. He did everything they wanted him to do. And I think in a perfect world that they would like to have him back. Yeah, I, th I think the thing about Richard too is if they bring him back, it's obvious that 
they want to bring him back, give him targets, get, you know, keep him involved. I, they wouldn't bring him back just to, you know, again, like his season started being active or, or not get targets and things like that. So there would be a clear plan I would imagine in place if they brought him back. Whereas for Richard, if he goes someplace else, he's sort of back at square one where, yeah, obviously a team signed you in free agency, but still you got to kind of earn it again. It feels like he, at least this last season earned it with this front office and earned it with this coaching staff to where if they gave him five or 6 million, he's going to get targets. He's going to get playing time. Yeah, he definitely will. He's valued here. And we've talked about this before. There are certain players where, you know, they're just a fit with that particular team. Terrell Pryor had a thousand yards in Cleveland. (laughs) This was the place for him, right? Hugh Jackson believed in him. The Browns believe in Rashard Higgins. Baker Mayfield believes in Rashard Higgins. If you have to go start all over with somebody else and you don't have that connection with that person, it could be a little bit difficult for you guys have their favorites established quarterbacks already have some of their favorite guys. And as we've talked about before, Rashard does a lot of things really well, but he doesn't do anything amazingly well. He's not, you know, the fastest guy and all those kinds of things. He's just, he's a good solid receiver. This one, this one will be interesting because I do think that it almost could be, if you keep Odell, I do think it almost could be a, a situation where you're like Rashard or Rashard, which one, which, which one can you keep, you know, and, or which one can you sign? So that'll be interesting because Brashard brings a different element to the offense. And that is the element of downfield speed. And the other thing to remember about him, and I wrote for Sunday that he will be on the Browns radar is that he had a natural chemistry with Baker Mayfield. There was something about those two guys that they just kind of hit the ground running together. And even though uh, Brashard did not have a ton, a ton of reps, he and Baker just kind of hit it off pretty easily. I mean, pretty much revived his career here. Mm -hmm. Baltimore had cut him. And I remember when the Browns signed him, it was like, really, that's where they're going at the receiver position. And he comes in and he plays really well. Has a really good year in Tampa. This last year with the Jets had some injuries and, and things like that, but revived his career in part because Baker Mayfield and him kind of got that downfield connection going. It's a little bit like Donovan Peoples-Jones. You, you look back at the numbers and you're like, really, that's all? It, the, he only had that many catches and that many yards, but it just speaks to the impact that all of those plays had. Yes, absolutely, 100%. You're right about that. And remember, Andrew Barry was the vice president of player personnel when they signed Brashard Perriman, okay? And he, so, I mean, that, that's a, a pretty important position in acquiring players like that. So he must have really liked him back then. And I'm, he had a seat at that, a, a pretty important seat at that table. And I'm sure that he was very instrumental in Brashard coming here. And as you mentioned, he did revive Brashard's career. It, it gave him an opportunity to go out and make millions. I mean, he was on the scrap heap. He had just gotten cut not only by the team that drafted him in the first round in the Baltimore Ravens, but he went to Washington and got cut after like a week. Remember that? I do. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. But yeah, now, now that you say it. Right. And then he comes here and, you know, he was down on his luck and he was down on his confidence. And Baker instilled that confidence in him. And what Baker did was he would throw him that ball deep. I mean, Baker's philosophy has always been, if you are out on that football field with me and they put you in the game, you're getting the football, right? So he'll throw that ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones with 11 seconds left in the game. 
even though he's a rookie and he has no idea how this is going to go. He'll do it. And he did the same thing with Brashard Pyramid. And he developed a, a very, very easy, natural rhythm with him. And I, and I think that it does mean something for him to come here as opposed to going somewhere else where he doesn't know any of the people involved, any of the players involved. He's already valued here. So I, I think it's something to keep an eye on. A very interesting dynamic, though. The do you have to choose between Brashad Perriman and Rashard Higgins? I would mm-hmm. be curious to see who they would choose there. I keep saying it. There's only so many targets out there. Yeah. There's only so many targets on this football team, and if you bring back too many guys, or if you have too many guys at one position, somebody's not going to be happy. You know, Rashard's not going to want to resign here as much as he wants to be here. He's not going to want to resign here and then be like forgotten. And, and that's like, he's earned it. Like he's earned that right to resign somewhere and be one of the top guys. Yeah. Well, if you remember uh, the sort of the same thing, kind of thing happened with Brashard. He basically agreed to a one year, $4 million contract or some kind of a, how many ever years, I can't remember exactly right now, but he agreed to a contract with the Browns and then they traded for Odell. And when they traded for Odell, he and his agent basically said, Hey, you know what? Rashard wants to go somewhere where he can play some football. He's going to get lost in the shuffle here. Well, things have changed now. Now he would probably be happy to come here and be a part of this opportunity, even if Odell were here. And I think he brings a different enough element that you're going to get him on the field. So you're right. Interesting dynamic. Can you go Rashard or Rashard? And (laughs) I'm getting my R's. One of them has an R at the end. One of them doesn't. If for some reason you find a great offer for Odell or somebody picks up the phone and calls you. Cause again, I don't think they're beating the bushes trying to find a trade partner for Odell. It's not like that. Uh, but if somebody makes you some kind of an offer that you can't refuse, then perhaps you sign both of those guys. You re-sign Richard and also then go out and sign Richard. Well, it's going to be interesting. Now, before we go, you, you mentioned what you wrote over the weekend and there were a couple names in there as well a couple linebacker names so what, what can you tell us about those guys well Levante David is on their radar I've come to find out that he is definitely on their radar and he should be on their radar now he again he is one of those guys that you, you're not really sure if he's going to make it to the market because obviously the the Bucks don't want to let him go I mean Bruce Arians grabbed the mic uh, during their boat parade when somebody asked Levante David if he was going to be back and Bruce said, you know, we're not going to let your ass go. And, uh, or your ass ain't going nowhere. I think is what he said. (laughs) He's sort of the inspirational leader of their defense. He's a really, really good player, but I, I do think, you know, that they might have a little bit of a hard time trying to keep him at the amount of money that he could possibly make elsewhere. So, you know, he might want to test his market value. And I think the, you know, what did we learn today? J.J. Watt probably ultimately took the most money, right? I mean, you can say what you want about all the other things and you have to have some of those things, but you also want to get paid. You also want to get paid. Nobody's doing this out of the goodness of their heart, (laughs) right? So I I think that um, if he gets to the market, I think he is the exact kind of player that the Browns would look at, especially if they don't sign an expensive pass rusher. 
uh, I, I think he's somebody that they that they would take a, a good hard look at. Again, he's not going to come cheap. Uh, you're going to you're going to have to pay him a significant sum of money, somewhere in the 13 million, 14 million dollar range, probably. But they need to upgrade that linebacking core. They really need to upgrade the linebacking core, uh, and and he would be one perfect way to do it. And he's also a great leader. Uh, another guy, I think if you're looking at linebackers is Matt Milano from the Bills. Uh, he's right up there too, in terms of ranking and, and what he brings in terms of coverage linebacker and some of the things that the Browns really need. So he's somebody else too, I think, to keep an eye on as we move closer to free agency. Yeah. I'm curious to see how they approach that linebacker position. And, you know, you're right, guys are going to take money. Careers in this league are short. So, so these guys are, are looking at those dollar signs and, and who can blame them. And the reality is the Browns have benefited from that in the past. They benefited from it last year when they signed Jack Conklin and they signed Austin Hooper and made them both very well compensated at their positions. They ended up coming to Cleveland and helping this team win. So that's the position the Browns are in where if guys want to get paid, the Browns can pay them. Yeah. And now again, with, in the case of a Levante David, He's 31 years old right now, but he has shown no signs of slowing down yet. I, I was saying that he sort of uh, is drinking from the same fountain of youth as Tom Brady down there. Uh, he had a really, really nice season. He was the number five rated linebacker by Pro Football Focus and the number six coverage linebacker. Uh, so, you know, this is somebody that can really come in and, and do some pretty amazing things for you. And again, it would probably be in the neighborhood of maybe $13 million a year, $14 million a year. It's a lot of money. They did not want to invest that much money in the linebacking core last year, but it may have cost them as well. Uh, their highest paid linebacker last year was BJ Goodson at like $2.3 million. Uh, another guy that, you know, that you would think, you know, you would want to think about there is would they go ahead and re-sign Malcolm Smith, their own linebacker uh, who signed with them last year. He is due to become a free agent. And he actually ranked really well. PFF loves Malcolm Smith, you know? Yeah. So he's somebody that uh, if you can't get your hands on a Levante David or a, a Matt Milano, you, you might want to go ahead and sign, re-sign Malcolm Smith. One last question for you here, Mary Kay. Did you ever think you'd have to figure out what was happening on Peloton to track free agency? <laughs> You know, when I saw that, that was that was crazy this morning, right? Uh, to be building, uh, you know, some people putting it out there and building stories based off of somebody possibly changing their Peloton bio. I saw that. I'm like, oh my gosh, what have have we turned into, right? What has this business turned into? And it made me grateful, Dan, for people like you and I that went to a real journalism school and got real journalism degrees and we check things out and we verify and we try to make sure that we have everything right. And, you know, like I said, we try to do things the old fashioned way, but if I have to start keeping track of Peloton bios, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to need way more vitamins that I'm, that I'm already taking. Yeah. Between Twitter and, and Instagram comments, sometimes Instagram stories, plane tracking that's the big thing in college football is plane tracking and that took off and lebron was doing his free agency thing and now we've got to look at exercise bikes well i don't have a peloton 
So, and I'm not going to get a Peloton anytime soon. So Dan, you're going to have to carry me on the uh, Peloton bios. We're, we're behind. I'm not an indoor workout guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't like doing treadmills and exercise bikes and things like that. We're going to have to get, I don't know, maybe Patsco can be our, our Peloton correspondent or, you know, maybe we can get yeah. Ellis to get one. Ellis seems, Ellis would write a Peloton for us, right? Maybe, maybe we'll have to, we, we got to get somebody <laughs> on the team uh, to jump all over this Peloton thing. All right. Well, if anybody has a lead on a cheap Peloton, we'll <laughs> give us a call, leave us a five-star review and tell us about it. Or wait a minute. I have a better idea. Don't you think this is something that we could all share an expense? I mean, like you could have it for a couple months, then I'll have it for a couple of months, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I, mean, I think it. so. It seems reasonable it. to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a work thing. We have to have it. <laughs> Take some of that combine money and, and put it towards a, a <laughs> cleveland.com Peloton. All right, that'll do it for our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you check out Football Insider, as always, cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, for Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.